Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex, and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr. Richard Bloom and Dr. Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery, and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying, I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them. And um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you, know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. The lead up to breast surgery is an exciting journey for some and a nerve wracking process for others. So this episode is gonna be about the big day. Kim and Richard are going to take us through what actually happens on the big day behind the scenes and what the costs are. And with us today, we've got Richard and Kim. Morning, Alex. Good morning, Alex. So, Kim, tell us tell us everything that we need to know about the big day. Okay, so a patient that's consented and has gone through all the pre-consultation process with us then gets a, a day, hopefully, of their choice of and preference and time of the year of when they're going to have their surgery. They'll be given specific instructions in terms of fasting, when they can't eat or drink anything from and what time to arrive at the hospital. Generally also we give instructions in terms of wearing loose clothing, don't take any jewellery to the hospital, any valuables. Bring uh, someone that's nearest and dearest to you is going to help um, support you through that um those final few hours before actually going into surgery where anxiety can tend to start to build a little bit. But uh, most people that we see generally actually really excited and a little bit nervous at the same time, which is, is pretty healthy. So on arrival at the hospital, there's a lot of admin getting checked in. Many times you'll be uh, asked your name, your date of birth, what operation you're having. And as I'm sure you can understand, we, we want to be doing the right procedure on the right person. So um, the, all those checks are really, really important. Um, before going into the surgery, you'll meet with the anaesthetist and you'll meet with either Richard or myself, whoever's performing your surgery that day um, to answer any last minute questions. And um, generally we draw on you. So um, depending on what operation you're having, um, it's all uh, measured out quite accurately and um, planned. And we double check that the, uh, particularly for breast augmentation, that the correct implants that you have chosen um, are available and they're on the, uh, in the theatre before we take you through. Um, and then the nurse takes you through to the theatre, uh, jump up on the bed and essentially off to sleep straight away. Um, How long can someone expect a surgery to take? Um, so for breast augmentation, it generally takes about an hour and a quarter to an hour and a half. A patient will be in the hospital for probably around an hour to an hour and a half before going through. So it's not sitting around for five hours beforehand in a uh, a smelly, scary hospital. Um, so generally, once they arrive, it's it, it's a fairly streamlined process of processing and getting everyone through into the theatre. Um, once the procedure's finished, um, when you're still asleep, we actually put on a pre-measured post-op bra. So um, that'll be already on you when you wake up in recovery. Um, most patients don't tend to remember a whole lot about the recovery room. Breast augmentation surgery is, is day surgery, and so once someone's comfortable, not feeling sick, um, their pain's under control, 
They can um, get out of bed, sit into a chair, have something to eat and drink. And then uh, their their relative or their friend or partner will be able to take them home on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's often probably two to three hours after the surgery's finished. So it, it's at least a half day at the hospital um, and just depending on recovery times a little bit too. Let's go back to the drawing when you prepare someone. Is that... That's all prepared in the consultation time, but is there any last changes or is that the moment where you're kind of locking everything in for sure? Yeah, no, 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 no. So um, the drawing takes place on the morning of the surgery. So uh, we draw in in the consultation on sort of photos and things like that, sometimes on the patient. But yeah, no, 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 it's on the actual morning. Um, usually uh, we would see the patient first and um, we've got a, a – um, black texter and we go through and mark on the, on, actually draw on the patient where, uh, where we're going to make the incision. Uh, and also often just some landmarks and things that once you're on the table, it might be a bit distorted. So we need to know where they were when you're standing up and, um, those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, we actually, um, uh, so no, we actually use a, a Sharpie texter so that uh, we can um, mark it and it doesn't rub off when we're putting the... Well, uh, I guess that's what most women associate when they think of, of, of going to into surgery. Um, is that a time that's especially stressful for women? Yeah, so that that's usually... So it's not uncommon at that point for um, patients to be a, a bit tearful at that time. And, you know, the, the the staff are all terrific with all of that because they see it all day, every day. Our anaesthetists are, are, are great with it as well uh, in terms of reassuring patients. But, yeah, often, you know, I'll come arrive in the morning and, and patients are a little bit emotional uh, at that last minute. And then by the time you've sort of drawn on them and had a chat about what's going to happen and, and walk them through it um, so they know what to expect. For patients who are super, super anxious, Occasionally, this is a bit of an old school thing, they, the anaesthetist might give them something to take uh, the edge off their nerves a little bit before they come into the um, operating room. Mm-hmm. Um, but the period, like once you're in the operating room, is actually pretty quick. Like you're off to sleep pretty quickly um, and uh, then, then we get underway. And do you find that most people can handle that or do you occasionally have someone that that pulls out last minute? Uh, I don't think I've ever experienced anyone pulling out on the day of surgery. Um, you know, usually once their foot's in the door of the hospital, they're committed to doing it. I did recently have a patient who uh, was booked to have a tummy tuck and a breast augmentation, and uh, I'd had a number of consultations with her over a period of time, and she was relatively indecisive about the breast augmentation side of the procedure, and um with my final preoperative consultation, we really both agreed that um, that we wouldn't proceed with that part of the surgery. And I think it was the most uh, it was an excellent choice for her because um, she really wasn't too sure whether she wanted to go through with that part of the surgery. Um, and I've since performed her tummy tuck. She's got an excellent result. She's super happy. Her breasts are not particularly um, out of proportion now to her flat t- tummy. Um, and and really that goes into the the preoperative consultation that um, you know several hours are spent beforehand and and more if patients particularly require um, to discuss the pros and cons and there wasn't any one specific thing why, that she could put her finger on of why she 
wasn't sure about whether she'd go ahead with it. Um, but she also couldn't say, I 100% want this operation. So um, we it was a mutual agreement, really. Like, and, you know, she really was quite happy once she'd made the decision not to do that. And the option's always there down the track that she's recovered from her tummy tuck now. And if at any stage in the future she changes her mind and wishes to go back down that path, then we'll redo the, that consultation process again. And in terms of, I guess a lot of people, they, they fear of what's going to happen in surgery, but they're not around for it, um, not, not awake anyway. So what kind of what kind of incisions happen and tell me a little bit more about where the implants go and, and how the surgery runs. Once you go on the, onto the table, the anaesthetist generally puts a little drip in your arm. So that's how they give the medicine to put you off to sleep. And then after that, you don't remember anything. Uh, so the process from there is that we um, wash the body down with an antiseptic to decrease the risk of infection. We then cover the operating um, field with surgical drapes, which are all sterile. Um, as often people will know, you know, how many people in the theatre. There's actually quite a few people. Obviously, there's me or Kim. Uh, there's often an assistant. Um, there's always an anaesthetist, and they have. Uh, there's a nurse who is assisting the anaesthetist. Then there's a scrub nurse who is the nurse who's handing me the instruments. Then they usually have. Um, what's called a scout nurse who goes out and gets an extra suture or instruments if you need them. Um, and then there's a theatre tech who helps set up the bed and set up all the equipment and, and do all of those things. Um, so once everything's set up, um, we go through a checklist with um, the whole staff to make sure all the equipment's there, we're operating on the right patient, um, the implants are there. Um, che final check, make sure there are no allergies, make sure they're having the operation that they've signed the consent form for. And then once that's done, then we start the um, operation. We would have always put local anesthetic in so that when you wake up, it's not quite as painful. Um, and then the in then, and then we make the incision. And for a breast augmentation, it's usually a, it's a quite a small incision, four or five centimetres in the fold uh, underneath the breast. Um, and then we're off. Um I know it's a rarity, but complications, when when they do happen, what what are they? Uh, well, in terms of being on the operating table, it's pretty rare to have something go wrong on the operating table just because everything's so well planned. There's not bomb scares every day like we talked about <laughs> in the other episode. No, no, <laughs> I, think, I can't remember which episode that is, but people can go back and listen to that. No, that has only, uh, that's only happened the one time. Um, so, I mean, you might get some unexpected bleeding, but you know, you just deal with it. It's not really, it's not really a complication. Um, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, we haven't had these, but you know, sometimes people can get into the wrong spaces and where they're not expected to, to be. And then, um, that has to be dealt with, but you know, that, that's, that's your job. Your job is to sort of deal with things that come, um, out of the blue that you weren't expecting, but an, an actual complication on day is pretty uncommon. A breast augmentation surgery is quite um, precise. So we know the dimensions of the implant that's going to be um, placed. We know which plane we're going to be putting it into, whether it's under or over the muscle. Um, we have a special retractor that has a light on the end of it. So um, that puts a light into the pocket or the space where the implant's going to go. And there's nothing unpredictable really about it like it's all um, planned it's all done um, just slowly 
um, safely and, uh, you know, exactly there's a plan every time and we pretty much stick to it. Um, we also have uh, sizes, so they're, uh, they're not permanent implants um, and once the pocket or the space for the implant has been made, then we put the sizer, which is a temporary implant, in and have a look and see how that looks um, whilst the patient's on the operating table. Um, it gives you a really accurate idea of what the permanent implant is going to look like. Um, and then if it doesn't look 100% right, we can further adjust the pocket a little bit um, before then taking that out and then putting the implant, the permanent implant that's um, going in. Um, in the office, we have lots of implants that, um, patients and their relatives can feel and play with and see what a real implant is like. Um, in the operating room, they come sterile packaged, single use only. Um, they're exposed to the outside world for a matter of seconds. Um, no one else touches them other than either Richard or I. Uh, and then they're placed into their pocket once it's been um, established. Right, so it's a very clean process. Exactly. And then um, stitched up straight away with dissolving stitches all underneath the skin. So um, patients often um, have a bit of anxiety about having to have sutures removed when they come back to the office, but um, we don't use any sutures that then need to be removed. Um, they put We put skin tape on that they can shower over from the very next day. So um, it, it, it's it, as you said, it's very clean and very precise mm. procedure. And then I guess the the healing journey begins, which we'll be talking about in in later episodes. Definitely, one thing that everyone wants to know about is the cost of having surgery. Um, Richard, I guess how much do they pay at Re? So breast augmentation with us is thirteen thousand nine hundred ninety. Um, unlike a lot of other practices, we're very transparent with our prices. All of our prices are on our website and they're inclusive of everything. So we don't do any sort of funny gimmicks where we say f the price is from this amount. So that's the price. It includes our fee, the hospital fee, the anaesthetic, uh, the implants and all of your post-op river recovery. And then on top of that, we sort of have some added things that um, we help think help um, um, improve the patient journey um, and uh, improve their experience and hopefully improve their outcome as well. So silicon taping, um, we use an antibacterial body wash, which we give the patients. We also give patients um, a, a drink that they can have on the morning of the surgery when you're fasting, but is still safe for the anesthetic. And then we follow up with laser treatments to the scars at eight weeks and 12 weeks. Um, so it's, it's fascinating for us, you know, other practices. We hear patients come in and see us uh, who've maybe seen other, other surgeons um, and they, it, it took them days to sort of get a quote for what their surgery might be. So, um, What are some of the flags? Like what if, if, if a surgeon that someone goes to says it's around a certain amount, when is that a signal that this is possibly not a good situation to be in? Uh, the short answer to that is always. Uh, there are no real variables. So it, a breast augmentation essentially is a breast augmentation. So um, un unless, you know, they're, they're, they're not a standard patient, there's there's something other than a breast augmentation that's being done. Um, so most surgeons should know, should know their own fee for sure. They should know the cost of the implants. They should know the cost of the uh, anaesthetists. They should know the hospital costs. So I, I can't quite understand um, why they wouldn't be able to communicate that 
before this before the appointment or directly after. So you're but, saying if they're not willing to tell you, then it's not a good sign. Which is kind of weird. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't do it. And I mean, we take it to the next level and put it actually on the website, um, um, which most other practices don't do. Um, but you know, there's there's no point. I mean, eventually they're going to have to know what the cost is. <laughs> And there's nothing hidden within that. Like that's the, the fees, the fee, and that's all of the follow-up care that Richard already mentioned that's included within that. You do hear about advertisements which are saying, you know, get new breasts for 5999 Is that something that you guys would be very wary of? Yeah, well, um, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it generally is. So we've touched on this in other episodes about surgeons who maybe aren't qualified, who are doing maybe using cheaper implants, maybe working out of facilities that aren't accredited hospitals. So um, if you're not working in an accredited hospital, there might be fewer staff. We just went through the staff that are in our theatre and they're all there for a purpose. So, you know, that all adds to the, the safety of the procedure. But if you're not an accredited facility... You know, maybe you're not doing the same sterilization processes, you have fewer staff, less qualified staff, so you might have a, uh, a less qualified nurse who is doing the procedure. We, we hear of stories where the anaesthetist is a GP or the surgeon is giving sedation and doing the operation under local anaesthetic. So, yeah, so I, I'd like to see someone charging five nine ninety and providing the same service and safety levels that, that we're doing. I, I don't think that you can do that. So we've obviously gone through your prices, but in, what, in, in the rare cases where something does go wrong, is the client covered? From a surgeon's fee point of view, everything post-operatively is covered if it's related to their original surgery. We also have ag- agreements with the anaesthetists that we work with that they're not going to be charging them any extra out-of-pocket. Um, if a patient is uninsured, um, then unfortunately they still would need to be paying an out-of-pocket to the hospital because we can't um, affect the hospital costs whatsoever. Um, but this is it is clearly disclosed beforehand. Um, on the rare, rare case where it's like an emergency return to theatre, then um, again, that, that that's something that they would have to pay the hospital in addition. Um, but generally the hospital does try and help out with that from, uh, from that point of view. But this is not the case industry-wide, is it? There's lots of um, surgeons that if something goes wrong, you're up, you're up for more. Uh, that, that's my understanding that, uh, yeah, if there's an, an issue, then the, the surgeon's potentially charging the patient more and maybe the anaesthetist um, as well. Is this something that you've heard of before, Richard? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's sort of a bit unethical, really, sort of think. If, if you, you know, you're um, being entrusted to look after the patient, you look after them. Um, and if, if there's a problem, you want them to, to, uh, to, you want to get the best outcome for the patient. So, as Kim said, yeah, we don't charge a surgical fee for for revision type work and emergency type work. You do hear more and more about women accessing um, super or using payment plans. Um, what are the options um, that you guys have found are the, the best to help women on the journey? This is sort of something that's changed just this year. So APRA, which is the, the medical board, had strict guidelines on um, what – uh, how, how you could use medical financing for these types of procedures. Uh, and whilst they haven't changed what the rule is, they came out with an interpretation in March of this year 
to say that we could actively tell patients about it if we did offer it. So we took that opportunity up. Um, and so we've partnered with um, a, a, a company that provides financing. They offer six months of interest-free financing for medical procedures up to $20,000. Um, so from a patient point of view, that just means that you can sort of spread the the, um, the, the cost over a period of time. And um, and if you want to spread it further, we can, they can do sort of prepayments up to the sort of start of the, six, the surgery and then um, sort of spread it over even 12 months. Mm. Um, in terms of super, it's certainly accessible and becoming increasingly common for patients to use that. Um, but that they wouldn't qualify. There needs to be a medical reason for it. So it wouldn't qualify. A breast augmentation wouldn't qualify. Yep. Okay. Um, and I guess going back to the payment plans, does that make it easier for people to basically access a better quality doctor rather than getting the surgery done sooner for less? Well, we think so. And I mean, the, the, the um, finance companies that we've partnered with, um, we've done we've we've gone through them because we think they're responsible lenders. So we don't want people to overextend themselves. We just want to make it easier for them to to do the payments. So and there are people in the industry who are sort of a bit hypocritical because they know that patients are putting these surgeries on uh, credit cards, maybe with interest rates of you know eighteen percent. Um, so they kind of turn a blind eye to that and say, oh, you know, we're totally against financing. And yet they know their patients are paying with credit cards because they're accepting the payments. Um, and a percentage of them are not going to be making the repayments. They're going to be paying the high interest rates. Um, so we've put this in as an option uh, so that it, it, it it's easier. You can spread the payments out and, yeah, hopefully choose surgeons who are more qualified and, and doing this as the main focus of their practice. If you want more information or if you're interested in making a change, Richard, what are some of the other services that RE has on offer? So apart from the surgery, we've also got a GP who does injectables, so the um, anti-wrinkle injections and also fillers. And we've got a dermal therapist who does skin treatments for skin rejuvenation. And then and Kim and I have our own skincare range, which as only active ingredients is, is a really easy and simple um, system to use. All right. Well, that covers it off for the surgery for the big day and how people can finance in getting it there. Thank you very much, Richard and Kim, for coming for this episode. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next subject, which is all about healing, which is obviously one of the most important parts of the journey, isn't it? Looking forward to it, Alex. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media. If you want to put any questions to our experts or join the conversation, head on over to our Re Girls Facebook group.